This is our number two of this episode of the World According to Zig podcast. My name is John Ziegler. Hope you were able to hear first hour, the part one of this year-end edition of the World According to Zig podcast, where we did our sixth annual Christmas interview with my children, with my nine-year-old daughter, Grace, and my four-year-old daughter, Diana, both participating. That's always uh, fun and interesting. This particular episode was uh, was particularly, uh, I think, interesting because Diana is now old enough to participate, and Grace is now old enough to question everything that she thought that she knew. Um, one of the themes of these yearly interviews with my kids around Christmas, of course, is their view of Santa Claus. And I think you'll be able to discern, if you haven't already, in hour number one of this episode, that Grace, while she still really, really wants to believe in Santa Claus, clearly has very grave questions. And as of that taping, uh, Grace and Diana were scheduled to see Santa the next day. And I don't know that Santa's going to survive that because I think Grace is um, ready to pull the plug. It's. I think it's possible she might get through this Christmas, but this will be the last meeting uh, with Santa Claus that she ever has. And I have talked often over the years about my dread involving this, and it's coming to fruition exactly as I feared. First of all, maintaining the Santa Claus thing is exhausting. It's exhausting in every possible way. First of all, I can't stand lying in general, especially to my kids. And Grace is very inquisitive and asks all sorts of questions. And I don't want to lie to her, but I also don't want to kill this off. I want her to be able to figure it out on, on her own. And um, and it's a lot of work involved. I mean, the damn elf on the shelf thing is exhausting. And uh, and answering the questions in a, in a proper fashion and knowing that any moment this whole thing is going to explode and it's going to be terrible is also psychologically very daunting because it's going to be bad. I mean, Grace has put so much into Christmas and Santa Claus and everything surrounding it that I just see this whole thing collapsing in a very catastrophic way. And so I, I do not look forward to that, but it's, it's the end is coming very, very quickly and inevitably. And, you know, we have a record of it because we've now done yet another interview uh, of this variety, this one with video. So hopefully if you haven't checked out the audio, you can check out the video on my YouTube channel. Uh, and if nothing else, uh, they're awfully cute to look at, my daughters. So that's probably the, the best way to consume hour number one of this episode. But hour number two is basically a, a wrap-up of the year, both from a news perspective as well as from a personal standpoint. And this has been another rough year, uh, largely because of the entire COVID situation. And while I could talk for hours about the whole reaction to COVID, my basic bedrock perspective on this is that this whole thing is the dumbest thing we've ever done in my life. And it's not even close. And it's becoming more obvious that it was the dumbest thing we've ever done every single day. But... Very few people are willing and able to discern for themselves, think for themselves, and be able to come to that conclusion and have the courage to admit that they were duped or they were wrong. And I want to be clear. COVID is real. It's terrible. 
It's a terrible situation. Lots of people have died who ordinarily would not have died without COVID existing. But it's about what you do in the face of a problem, not the nature of the problem itself. And I don't think there's any evidence that anything we've done has been anything close to worth the residual costs. And I actually think that if you were to summarize 2021, I think the best way to think about 2021 from a news perspective is 2021 was us pretending that we didn't fuck up in 2020. That's basically what 2021 was all about. Let's play pretend. Let's pretend that we didn't destroy everything that made America great, almost everything, in 2020 for no good reason. That's what that was. That's what 2021 was about. It's all about playing pretend because no one wants to admit we panicked and fucked up and did a whole bunch of things that caused more collateral damage than we saved. And it's not close. I mean, I don't believe lockdowns worked in comparison to the damage that they caused. I know for sure masks don't work at all. And we've always always known this scientifically, but for some reason, mostly having to do with liberal panic and anti-Trump virtue signaling, they all of a sudden became popular, and now no one wants to admit that they wore a mask for almost two years for no reasons. And the vaccines, which I was a huge proponent of for the first six or seven months, I mean, I thought the whole thing was over with. I thought the vaccines actually stopped transmission, and they were awesome, and this thing was over, and we were going to be able to get on with our lives, and this this was in in the rearview mirror. But we then learned that the evidence makes it very clear, the data couldn't be more obvious, that after six or seven months, the vaccines no longer do very much of anything. They certainly don't stop transmission. But in keeping with the theme of everything, we play pretend. It's all about playing pretend. We're going to pretend that the vaccines still work, so much so that we're going to mandate them even for kids. We're just going to play pretend. You know what a great example of playing pretend was? The fact that we had Halloween normally this year, which was a big event for my kids. Last year was horrendous, horrific experience for Halloween. What was the difference between Halloween this year and last year from a scientific standpoint? Absolutely nothing. There was just as many cases, just as many deaths. In fact, in many places, more so going on this year. Kids still weren't vaccinated. So logically, there was no reason for there to be a Halloween in 2021, but not 2020, except that we have to pretend We have to pretend that things have changed because of the vaccine. And what's really the big difference is that Donald Trump is no longer president. Donald Trump, who I hate. But in 2021, which Grace Ziegler talked about extensively in hour number one of this podcast, she gets it. She understands that with Trump gone, now it's a permission slip to go ahead and do certain things that we like normally. Well, we just play pretend. It's all about play pretend. And that's why, you know, one of the reasons why I think if you could encapsulate this year and why it's been so popular, especially among conservatives, you this has been the year of let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon describes the entire year. Let's go, Brandon became famous because an NBC sports reporter pretended that the crowd behind her while interviewing a a race car driver was not saying fuck Joe Biden and instead said that the crowd was saying, let's go Brandon. Now, how in the world she got, let's go Brandon out of fuck Joe Biden, I have no idea. 
But that is emblematic and symbolic of this entire year. We're just going to pretend. We're just going to pretend. doesn't matter what the truth is. It doesn't even matter if it's close to the truth. We're just going to make it up because it's good for us. It fits our narrative, and no one's going to get fired, and no one's going to get in trouble. So this has been the year of Let's Go Brandon, the year where we're just going to pretend. The media will just pretend that inflation and the Great Resignation and crime didn't all increase due to COVID policy. Now, we're going to pretend it was because of the pandemic as opposed to the reaction of the pandemic. We're just going to pretend that student problems were due to COVID and not to the closing of schools for a year and a half. We're just going to pretend that mental health issues were due to COVID and not to the lockdowns, which actually created the mental health problems. We're going to pretend that the lockdowns were necessary and effective and not a complete failure. We're going to pretend that Sweden's death rate just didn't disappear for the last seven months. And we're still going to pretend that Sweden was a failure in their far less restrictive reaction to COVID. We're going to pretend that California, the most restrictive state in the country where I live, didn't really have a massive winter wave last year while Florida did not, which should have proven what a farce lockdowns were. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen. We're going to pretend that Florida's death rate didn't just disappear after the most recent summer wave and they're not doing better than everybody else during this current winter wave. We're just going to pretend. We're going to pretend that Joe Biden didn't say he would crush the virus before he took office. He didn't say that you could either vax or mask. It was your choice. Or that you couldn't get COVID if you were vaccinated. Those are all things the President of the United States said. We're just going to pretend that never happened. We're going to pretend that masks work despite a mountain of evidence, unprecedented data, showing that they don't. And we're going to pretend that masks have no downsides. Or that making kids mask up in school doesn't have some sort of collateral damage associated with it. Or doesn't increase crime because it's a heck of a lot easier to get away with crime if you're masked and everyone else is masked. Or it doesn't make communication more difficult. Or doesn't cause psychological problems for kids in schools who now associate school with fear because they're forced to wear a stupid mask that does nothing. We're just going to pretend. We're just going to pretend that the vaccines are performing exactly as expected, as we were told they would be. And that any of the problems involving the vaccines, we're just going to pretend those are the fault of the unvaccinated. What a, what a hell of a narrative that is. We, we, got, we got areas of this country, and I mean, sports are a perfect example. Almost no one is unvaccinated in sports, yet sports are currently collapsing because everyone's getting the virus. Yet that's somehow the fault of the unvaccinated. It's just crazy because we're just playing pretend. We're going to pretend that the experts haven't been wrong about almost everything. We're going to pretend that the CDC isn't now clearly an overtly political liberal organization. We're going to pretend that mandating a vaccine which does not stop transmission, even for kids unimpacted by the disease, is a legitimate proposal and something that an elected official shouldn't be castigated and destroyed for doing, like here in California, the Los Angeles school district actually postponed their mandate for vaccines for going to school till next year. And there's not been one word about, well, wait a minute. So now we're going to have five or six more months of school with unvaccinated kids. So I guess that's okay then. Right. What what, does, how does that make any sense? Or what about the kids or the parents who begrudgingly decided to get vaccinated because they thought they had to, to go to school in January. And now they're told, ah, never mind. Now we're just going to pretend that's cool. 
No problems. We're just going to pretend. We're just going to pretend all sorts of things in the news. We're going to pretend that the the January 6th so-called insurrection, which I thought was outrageous, was the worst thing that ever happened in the history of the world, and we're never going to stop talking about it. That's Because that's what the news media has done with that, because it makes Trump look bad. We're going to pretend that Kyle Rittenhouse was probably still a murderer, even though he got acquitted against all sorts of negative media coverage. We're going to just pretend that us, the media, being duped by Jussie Smollett was a fluke and totally not our fault. And maybe, maybe, by the way, it's still possible that he told the truth. We're going to pretend that biological males competing in female sports isn't insane and is totally legitimate. We're going to pretend that Tiger Woods didn't really cause a major car accident that could have killed somebody coming the other direction. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen. We're never going to ask him any questions about it. And when he tells us to go pound sand, we're going to go, oh, okay, Tiger, our fault for asking. It's, it's absolutely, I mean, I'm a big Tiger fan. I think it's amazing what he's done. Yeah, he's playing golf as we speak today. It's unbelievable the comeback that he's made. I root, I root for him now. I wish him all the best. But the idea that the media let him off the hook without ever answering the question, what the fuck happened when you almost killed yourself and you could have killed somebody in the other direction is, is hilarious. It's, it's, it's just playing pretend. We're going to pretend, by the way, that the massive increase in black faces on television, especially in commercials, is totally coincidental and not part of an agenda. We're going to pretend that equity, which is now the new buzzword, is the same as equality, even though those two, those two things are totally different. We're going to pretend that they haven't just instituted affirmative action all over the place and that made it impossible for you to criticize that without being called racist. Hell, here in California, colleges aren't even going to use the SAT scores anymore because they claim that those are somehow racist. It's Math is now considered racist. Equity is the word that is going to destroy what's left of this nation, folks, because equity is forced equality, which is not equality of opportunity, which is what this country was originally based on. And we're also going to, we're going to pretend all sorts of things. We're going to pretend that those vaccines, we're going to change the definition of vaccines. They were never really intended to slow, slow the spread of the disease. No, they're act, they're working exactly as intended. Bullshit. That's not the case. It's not what we were told. That's not how they were sold. And they're not vaccines, unless you change the definition, we pretend that words mean something they really don't, to fit our narrative. And this Omicron variant we're going to pretend it's a game changer, which explains away why vaccines and masks aren't working. This, this Omicron variant narrative is maybe the most nefarious of all of them. There's no evidence that the Omicron variant is even dangerous. In South Africa, there's no ev- which is where this originated, there's no evidence that it's dangerous at all. That it's basically, at, at worst, a mild flu based upon the data coming out of there. But that's not how the media is pretending that it is. Or many of the the liberal fascists who love these restrictions, they're 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 going to get the band back together one more time. Thank God we're going to get one more shot at this because they're addicted to this insanity and this craziness. But we're going to find that Omicron, and this might be the only hope for getting us out of this, I think they're going to overplay their hand on Omicron so bad that even average people are going to start to realize what a load of crap this whole thing is. Because we're not going to see a massive increase in deaths. We will see a massive increase in cases, but not deaths, regardless of what they try to tell us or how they try to spin it. And even though we need to be more restrictive in the wintertime, I love this. Here in California, our governor, Gavin Newsom, 
was warning us, we got to be more restrictive in the winter. But it's not because COVID waves are seasonal as opposed to as being based in human behavior. How does that make any sense? If there's a winter surge and it's seasonal, that's telling you it's not based in human behavior or government restriction. It's seasonal, like the flu used to be. That's the reality of this. We're just going to pretend that that doesn't that seasonality doesn't exist. We're going to pretend that natural immunity doesn't exist or isn't relevant. We're going to pretend that college football in the South didn't obliterate in parts of the Midwest where they still play real football. That college football didn't obliterate the entire large gathering super spreader narrative. Did these people not watch the Michigan Ohio State game? Did they not see what happened? I mean, 100,000 people unmasked on top of each other, screaming and yelling. They stormed the field for a half hour after the game, and there's no evidence it led to any kind of a COVID outbreak. Do these people not have television? No, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. We're just going to pretend college football didn't have packed houses all season long with no evidence of any kind of super spreader influence. We're just going to pretend. We're just going to pretend it's perfectly normal for elite athletes to miss games because of a positive test without symptoms for a virus which hasn't killed anyone in their class. Not one person has died as an elite college or pro athlete. Not one. And we're just going to pretend that it's perfectly rational to be postponing and canceling major sporting events because a few of these athletes tested positive without symptoms. We're just going to pretend that that's not batshit crazy. We're just going to pretend that the COVID response is totally about science and not really about politics. That's a big one that the media loves to do. We're just still going to pretend this is all Donald Trump's fault. And I hate Donald Trump, but this was not his fault. We now know that because Joe Biden, despite all his promises, has been president for a year, effectively, and hasn't done anything to crush the virus. In fact, the virus is probably going to be at its worst in the next few weeks. And we're, we're just going to pretend that Fauci hasn't been wrong about everything, that he isn't a fraud. We're just going to pretend that his word still is based in science, that he is science, that he's not really a megalomaniac who ought to be disgraced and tarred and feathered. We're just going to pretend that. That's the reality of this. Now, what does all this mean in the bigger picture? To me, one of the most depressing parts of this whole COVID situation is not just what it has done to the essence of our country. And my patri- I used to be one of the most patriotic people on the planet. I'm not even that patriotic anymore because I now look at, you know, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh, so that was all bullshit. That wasn't really real. That was, that was just our brand. That was all bullshit. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's been depressing for me. But I, I now do not see a scenario where we do not have a major divide, whether you call it a civil war or a massive secession of several of the states. I do not believe that that if I live to a normal life expectancy, which would be about another 20, 25 years, if I live that long, I don't believe the United States will exist as it currently does at that time period. I do not believe we will have the same 50 states under the same constitution, the same government. And that's incredibly sad given the history, the once great history of this country. And let me give you a really good example of, of this divide. I consider myself to be a pretty good guinea pig here. Because even though I'm a staunch conservative, I have always had liberal friends. I have always been able to talk to the other side. I've, I've had very good friends who are very liberal, very prominent liberals. 
one of whom is a guy who's been on this podcast with me many times, John Yarmouth, Democratic congressman from Louisville, where we used to host a TV show together. He's currently the chairman of the House Budget Committee, one of Nancy Pelosi's favorite pets. And he's been in Congress for a long time. He's retiring next year. He's not going to run for re-election. He and I have not had a conversation. We used to be really close, really close. We have not had a conversation of any sort other than a couple of very quick text messages since almost the beginning of COVID. And the reason why we have not been able to have a conversation is because I know that if we do, it might be the last conversation we ever have. Because that's how irate I am at him and his party and those that believe in the things that he believe in, what they have done to my country and what they have done to my kids. And I mean, you, you want to go after me, fine. But when you do this to my country and you do this to my kids and when, when you're forcing my kid to wear a mask in school all day and you take away a year and a half of schooling all because of politics, when it's not even remotely fitting with the science involved, I'm sorry, fuck you. Fuck you, you're my enemy. And especially when it comes to John, I'm particularly outraged because if you're a big fan of this podcast, you know, or of my other podcast called the Individual One Podcast, I'm literally the guy who convinced John Yarmouth to be in favor of impeaching Donald Trump. He was not in favor of impeaching, impeaching Donald Trump. And the argument I made for him to him was that this was about preventing tyranny in this country. That if you had to draw the line in the sand, you had to set the precedent that what Trump has done was unacceptable. And that's what resonated with him. And yet I stood up against the elements of crazy in my own political movement, much to my own detriment, but neither he nor anyone else, not one prominent Democrat, not one prominent liberal other than maybe Bill Maher on HBO, uh, has been willing and able to stand up against this insanity. Not one. It's been disgusting, pathetic, and it's unforgivable. So I don't know when and if John and I will ever have a conversation. He texted me just before he announced he was retiring to let me know he was doing so. And I said, thanks for letting me know. Uh, you know, he said that he'll call me soon to, to discuss it. I said, I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, however, I need to warn you, it's going to be a difficult conversation. And that conversation has never happened. Uh, so I don't know if it ever will. Um I mean, I, I would love for us to come to some meeting of the minds, but if John and I, if John Yarmouth and I can't even have a conversation anymore, we're toast because we were the great example of being able to bridge those divides, no matter what the situation was, through friendship and mutual understanding and respect. And because of COVID, that can no longer happen. And, you know, and it's going to get worse before it gets better because of the way they're reacting to Omicron. Uh, you know, it's my hope that the backlash to Omicron is actually going to be very, very bad for the Democrats once they overplay their hand again. I have said constantly, the one thing you always know about Democrats is that they will always, 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 always overplay their hand. And they are in the process of doing that with COVID or Omicron, whatever the hell you want to call it now. And I think that unless something dramatic happens between now and next November, unless inflation is somehow under control, unless COVID is somehow under control and unless there's no more COVID restrictions, I do think Democrats are going to pay a major price at the ballot box in the off year elections. Uh, and I, it's hard for me to see how that's going to happen. It's possible. 
Um, I, I really do believe the Democrats thought, and that's why they're so invested in the vaccines. I believe the Democrats thought that the vaccines were going to be magic, which is ironic since it was Trump's vaccine, right? And they were all warning about the vaccine back when it was Trump's vaccine. But they thought this was going to be magic and that they were going to be able to claim victory and say, we destroyed COVID, we crushed COVID, as Biden promised, and the ensuing economic recovery is all because of us. That's what they saw. And that's why they can't let go of that narrative because they thought they had it. By the way, I thought that was what was going to happen. I thought the vaccines were going to be magic based upon the data of the first few months. But I'm someone who changes my opinion based upon new information. And when the new data came in and I realized, holy shit, these things aren't working anymore, I changed my position. And I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I'm married. I'm trained at admitting when I'm wrong. It's baffling to me that more married men aren't. So I think that's what happened with Democrats. I thought I think Democrats thought this is going to be our golden ticket and they can't admit they were wrong and they were duped. And so, uh, you know, whether or not they can turn that around between now and next November, I have my doubts. I am very, very much rooting for that not to be the case, because I think the last hope for America is for Democrats to pay a very big price for what they have done over the last two years. And the best last chance for that to happen is in November of this coming year in 2022. So that's been very difficult just to, you know, to deal with this never ending madness where logic means nothing. Facts mean nothing. Data means nothing. No one will admit they were wrong. The principles of this country no longer seem to matter anymore. And the future just seems so incredibly dark. And I do believe it will be dark. I mean, I mean, there's all sorts of things where it can get worse. I mean, you can see the inflation getting worse. Potentially, you can see the stock market collapsing. You can see the real estate market collapsing eventually because of increased interest rates. I mean, we may not have seen anything yet. It is quite possible that we could, in the next year or two, things could get really, really, really bad. And when you combine that with the fact that a huge portion of the population is beyond done with this COVID crap, wow, uh, it is a combustible situation potentially. So that's how I see the, the overall political news environment. From my own personal standpoint, it's been a difficult year because I am very close to throwing in the towel. I'm running off into the sunset and you never hearing from me again. Uh, you know, it, we did a, an incredible podcast this year called With the Benefit of Hindsight. If you haven't checked it out, I hope you will. It's about the entire Penn State Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky scandal. It's extraordinary. We have a co-host, Liz Habib, who used to be the TV sportscaster at the Fox affiliate here in Los Angeles, who's now a professor at Syracuse University Newhouse School of Journalism. And by the way, Liz and I, mark your calendars or at least keep your eyes open in 2022, we are planning on doing a completely different news-based podcast next year at some point. So that may keep me somewhat in the game, somewhat publicly active. I don't know. But as far as my columns at Mediate, that's another great example of where here I used to be the bridge. I was their resident conservative. I don't think that's even possible anymore. Their view of of COVID and where we have gone and how we've gotten here is so antithetical to mine that it's almost an irreconcilable difference. So I don't know how I can even continue to do that. And, you know, it's so that's been very depressing, very difficult to deal with. You know, how how in the world is, is my life going to continue on publicly and whether it's even still worth it? I, I mean, I, I'm very willing and 
to potentially just throw in the towel because it's just not worth it. It's just such bullshit, and dealing with the bullshit is so draining and so difficult. You know, my wife made a very good point because I would get so frustrated, especially this year, about where the future is headed for my kids that my wife said, look, you're getting so angry about where the future is going for your kids that you're ruining the, the present for your kids, that you're in such a bad mood all the time. And she's right. But I realized the only way to stop that is to just unplug, not not even do social media, and just forget about all this, realizing, you know what, there's nothing I can do about it. All it's doing is frustrating me and making you know life more difficult for my kids because oftentimes I am in a bad mood. Now, there have been some good things that happened this year. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, we, we saw, I think, first of all, the reaction to our podcast was extraordinary. It's an amazing journalistic achievement. So I'm very proud of that. Um, there's been some success on the Michael Jackson front. I mean, heck, Michael Jackson has, has survived the cancellation of leaving Neverland, so much so that there was recently an article by a mainstream outlet complaining about the fact that Michael Jackson didn't get canceled. So so we, we've won a, a victory on the Michael Jackson front. By the way, next year there's going to be a documentary out called Trial by Media, which I am interviewed for about the Michael Jackson case that I uh, am looking forward to seeing, and I hope you will be as well. Um, my relationship with, with Matt Lauer took an interesting turn uh, this year. Um, I went actually during the summertime to go play golf for a couple of days in the Hamptons with Matt and, and his buddies. And that was very interesting because I've gotten to know Matt exceedingly well. And, uh, and, you know, there were some things going on with Matt, both behind the scenes and, and publicly. And then the Katie Couric book came out, which was ridiculous where she just piled on for, for political points uh, against Matt. But, one of the things I will tell people about uh, of celebrities and relationships with celebrities, I don't know how many people actually get the opportunity to, to engage to the level that I have with people like that, but never forget that a major celebrity is a diseased person. That celebrity is a disease. It is a disease. I tell this to my daughter, Grace, all the time because she wants to be a celebrity. I said, it is a disease. It's one I'm inoculated against because I got a tiny little bit of celebrity and realize it's not uh, all that that it's cracked up to be and it's not real and I don't need it anymore. Uh, But never, ever forget that, that celebrity is an illness and celebrities always consider themselves to be part of a class or a cast that is different from everyone else. So... I've I've relearned that in my my friendship with with Matt Lauer, and I I do hope eventually Matt will make some sort of a comeback. I do think he wants to more so now than he ever has since the scandal hit him and he got fired from the Today Show at NBC. But I don't know uh, for sure that that actually will actually happen because we're living in such a crazy world where you know cancellation is real and often permanent uh, unless you get really lucky. So. That's the the Matt Lauer front. As far as my future is concerned, as I've already alluded to, I may just go into the ride off into the sunset and just worry about my kids. The only thing that scares me about that is, and I've only got about five more years of my kids caring at all about me <laughs> or listening to anything that I have to say. So I don't know what I would do with my next five years. I mean, my greatest fear is I can get to to I'm fifty. I'm going to be fifty five in twenty twenty two in March. 
I can get to 60, 65 real easy. But what am I going to do after 65 to keep myself remotely busy and sane if I'm not doing anything? And, and golf can only go so far. I mean, my golf game improved this year. Uh, this year, I'm actually eligible for senior amateur events, which is a real shocker. That means I'm really old. I did win uh, one senior event in 2020, uh, which was cool, the Ventura County Senior Championships. So that was nice. So I've been playing some better golf this year than I have been in previous years, and I expect to do the same in 2022. But I'm, I can't play competitive golf after about 60, 65 at tops because no one plays good golf after that. So I really don't know. That's the one thing that scares me about the rest of my life. What do I do from 65 to 75 to keep myself busy, especially if I've completely ended any sort of public life? That's about the only thing that keeps me from not totally abandoning public life. But we'll see what happens in the podcasting realm uh, hopefully this uh, proposed podcast with Liz Habib that I've already mentioned uh, ends up uh, doing something. Uh, make sure you keep your eye out for that. Uh, please keep in touch with what I'm doing. The easiest way to do that is through my Twitter page, which is, which is my handle is at Zygmunt Freud. It's at Zygman Freud, F-R-E-U-D. A terrible Twitter handle, but, you know, it's memorable. Uh, Zygman Freud, Z-I-G-M-A-N, Freud. Uh, or my Facebook page, which is just me uh, at John Ziegler. And uh, you know, so hopefully you haven't heard that last from me. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. I, I hope you checked out our number one of, of this year-end uh, series of episodes on the World According to Zig podcast. I don't know what, if anything, we'll do with the World According to Zig in 2022. Uh, thanks to uh, Kevin Campbell for even allowing us to do this year-end tradition that I do with my kids and this year-long wrap-up. Hopefully we'll be able to do at least that next year, but you never know. Uh, so I really don't know what's going to happen in 2022. Um, I know that um, you know all things are possible, and I'll try to be as optimistic as is possible. But thanks, uh, everyone, to their support of this podcast and my work over the last several years. Uh, please feel free to keep in touch. You can email me at my email address, which is talktozig at AOL.com. That's T-A-L-K-T-O-Z-I-G, talktozig at AOL.com. So that'll do it for this uh, both news-based and personally-based wrap-up of the year 2021. Until next time, have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and hope to hear from you and vice versa in 2022. My name is John Ziegler, and this has been... The World According to Zig.